Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. But this series on enemies, we kicked off last week by asking three questions. Number one, will you follow Jesus in believing that the devil's real? and that the devil's strategy is planned. Number two, will you follow Jesus in believing the devil's real and his persistent goal is death? Number three, will you follow Jesus in believing that the devil's real and that his powerful strategy is lies? We have enemies as Jesus followers. And if you're brand new to faith, um, the topic of like spiritual warfare might feel like a heavy thing to wade into early on in your faith journey. But it's important to recognize that in our surrender to Jesus, there's also forces that are gonna be pushing at your life to take your life off of course, take your focus off of Jesus. And we're gonna talk about all three of those, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We started with the devil last week, John 8. He has always hated the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character. Jesus showed up on planet Earth um, not as a military leader, as his people expected, and we talked about this last week. The Jews were hoping for a Messiah that would show up with sword and shield and kick Rome's butt, or whoever was, like, Israel's stories, they were constantly slaves to somebody. And they were hoping that the Messiah would come and militantly lead them. Jesus showed up not as a soldier, but as a prophet, as a teacher, as a rabbi. And the reason he did is because the enemy's strategy is lies. And so Jesus came to bring truth to those lies. Jesus came to be Lord and Messiah over the truth that we surrender our lives to. Which is why he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. It's why Jesus said, you're my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it's why Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit's coming by saying, when the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all Truth. And so we have to choose our truth if we're going to follow Jesus. And the good, beautiful thing is we have scripture. Not as a group of human beings and their perception of God, but as revealed truth written down for us to build our lives upon. The invitation to know and follow Jesus is an invitation to build our lives on truth, not relative truth, not perceived truth. Jesus as our truth. That's the invitation. Last week I also quoted John Mark Comer, um, pastor and author. He said, Jesus sees our primary war against the devil as a fight to believe truth over lies. That's our primary war when it comes to our fight against the devil. And I love that through Jesus Christ we can have like this confident assurance that, that we are victorious because of Jesus. The war has already been won. We know, we know the end. We win. But that doesn't mean we don't have battles to fight along the way. Right? The war's already won, but there's still battles to be fought. So the homework I assigned, I give some reading homework if you're interested in reading books or audiobooks. Um, I said, if you've never read Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, get it done. 
And uh, I actually learned last week the Focus on the Family has like this audio theater version of Screwtape Letters. And so get your kids and your teenagers listening to Screwtape Letters. I would highly encourage that. The other book I recommended was Live No Lies by John Montcoma, where he fully unpacks the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's a great read. But the other piece of homework is, would you take some quiet time this week and go to the Father and simply, honestly ask, what lies have I believed? If the enemy's primary strategy to take me off of my faith journey is to lie to me, what lies have I believed? And that's kind of what I want to focus on today is how do we know when we've been lied to? How do we recognize the lie of the enemy? I put it out on Thursday just on a Instagram story, what lies have you believed? And this is some of the answers I got from our Evolve family. I'm unlovable. I'll never have enough. I'll never be enough. I'll always be afraid. This anxiety will be my constant story. I'll never understand healthy sexuality. I'll always feel orphaned, homeless. I'll never be able to give my kids the things they want. I'm going to die young. I'm only worthy of human approval, not God's. I've failed God, so I know I'm not enough for him. I'll never know and experience the gift of real friendship. And there were more. People in this room, people you know, people that are a part of this community, these are real lies. And so today's big question, how do we recognize the lies of the enemy? If we have a, if we have a foe, if we have a defeated foe, if greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world, how do we recognize the lies of the enemy and respond with faith and truth? So let's go there. And I just want to pray before we dive into today's passage. And my prayer is simply this, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Deepen our awareness of your presence. Quicken our hearts to your truth. Fill us again, we pray. We've been filled. We want to stay full, full of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a hypothetical scenario for you. This may or may not have happened to me this week. I came home. I went up to my bedroom. I noticed a teared orange corner of a plastic bag of goldfish crackers. May or may not have seen that sitting on one of my pillows. Does anybody else in the room sleep with three pillows? Okay, all right, I'm just, I don't know why it's a thing. And, um, and I walked over, and then not only did I see the, maybe, hypothetically, see the uh, corner of the goldfish crackers, but I noticed crumbs all over my bed sheets, on my side of the bed. I may or may not, if this is a hypothetical scenario, just saying, like, if this had happened, what would you do? 
So like I brushed off all of the crumbs and I grabbed the corner and I went downstairs to where two-fifths of our family were seated. I'm not going to name names, hypothetically. This is possible that this may or may not have happened this week. I held up the wrapper and I said, hypothetically, who was eating goldfish crackers in my bed? To which two-fifths of my family said, not me, not me. It wasn't me, it wasn't me. And I said, really? Because I found this wrapper on my pillow and I just brushed the crumbs off. To which one-fifth of my family said, it wasn't me, Dad. Dad, that gave it away. That means one of my children. To which one of my children looked at the other one in the room. The one who had just said, not me. And then he said, actually, uh, it was me. I said, he, shoot. Hypothetically, (laughs) it's it's possible that one of our male children (laughs) ate goldfish crackers in my bed. Like, of all the places to eat in the house, why my bed? Truth is reality. Or that which corresponds with reality. The reality is there were crumbs and the package of a corner. The truth is somebody was eating crumbs or eating crackers in my bed. And truth and reality work together. And so when I, when I pose a question looking for truth and I present the reality of that question, the lie stands no chance. The lie of, I don't want to get in trouble for eating crackers in your bed. I don't, I don't want to explain why. But the lie confronts truth with reality. Truth is what we can rely on as being real. This table is real. The chair you're sitting in is real. Jesus is real. All very real things. Reality is also understood as what you run into when you're wrong. If I believe the lie that I can fly, reality is what I run into when I jump off of a building. I run into truth, gravity, as I plummet to the ground. If I believe the lie, I'm confronted with truth as what is actually real. Does this make sense? The beauty of being human is that we can hold in our hearts and in our imaginations both what is and what isn't. No other created being can do that, just humans. We're the only ones created in the likeness and the image of God. We're the only ones on planet Earth that can hold in our brains both what is and what could be or what isn't. We can hold it as thoughts, we can hold it as imaginations, and then it plays out in our physical bodies. Dallas Willard says, we truly live at the mercy of our ideas. We live at the mercy of our ideas. We're the only creatures on planet Earth that can imagine. We can envision the unreality of an ideal situation and then move forward in creating that vision. My dog can't do that. We're the only ones that can do that. We're the only human beings. And we see that in our children and in our youth when they create something. We see that in the world through art and through music. I saw it in my kitchen this week when my wife said, 
I've got all these peaches. Who wants to make a crisp? And so my imagination went to brown buttered topping with peach and blueberry. Not only did I picture it, but then I found a great recipe and I brought it all together and then we sat as a family and had piping hot peach blueberry crisp. We can hold it as an imagination and then we can actually make it come true through our physical bodies. We're the only ones on planet Earth that can do this. The only ones. The ideas that we believe to be true shape both how we live and who we become. If we hold an idea that we are not enough and will never be enough, that idea as truth, even though it's a lie, will produce what we think and who we become. If we hold an idea, a lie, that because of the things I've done in my past, God will never truly accept me, it will impact all of our thoughts and how we live. John Mark Homer in the book, Live No Lies, when we believe truth, when we believe ideas that correspond to reality, we show up to reality in a way where we flourish and thrive. We show up to our sexuality, to our bodies, to our interpersonal relationships, and we show up to God himself in a way that's congruent with the creator's wisdom, the creator's good intentions for his creation. Did you know that God has a best practice for you? He's got a way, and he invites you to discover it and embrace it as truth. And anything contrary to the creator's wisdom and good intentions will not lead you to a life where you flourish and thrive. So let's look to our truth, scripture, today and next week for two examples of lies from the enemy and how he was handled. Today we're gonna look at an example where the enemy spoke a lie and God's children failed. Next week we're gonna look at an example where the enemy spoke a lie and God's son shows us the way forward. But today we're gonna to read in Genesis chapter three. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Sound of music still stuck in my head. Thank you, Strathcona Christian Academy. Genesis chapter three, are you ready? Here it is. You've probably heard this story before if you grew up in Sunday school. I just wanna share some ideas from it today to bring life, to bring freedom to the reality and the truth that we're building our lives on, how to recognize the lie of the enemy. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat of it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of it and ate it. Then she gave some to her standing at her side, silently passive husband who was with her, 
and he ate it too. That was a little addendum I threw in just for fun. Some people think that Adam wasn't there, but he was there. He was probably on his phone. At that moment, their eyes, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. This is our passage for today, and I have two things I want to share, just two, yes, two points. Number one, reasoning and understanding will never produce what only trust can accomplish, Reasoning and understanding will never produce what only trust can accomplish. And by trust, I mean trust equals obedience. To say that I trust God means I'm willing to obey him. Right? Does that make sense? To say that you trust somebody but don't actually do what they're asking you to do isn't trust. So my first idea from this passage, the enemy's lies come as thoughts and ideas often trying to make sense of something, to reason our way forward. In Genesis 3, he says, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit? God knows that your eyes will be open. He's trying to bring understanding and reasoning as he brings this lie to God's created beings. God knows your eyes will be open. Your heart, as soon as you eat it, you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman, scripture says, the woman was convinced I think it's a regular occurrence for God to direct us with truth, but not always to give us all the answers. And I think of pivotal moments of surrender, pivotal moments of trusting God fully. I look at my own life, and, and it's full of examples where I've sensed in my, in my heart, in my spirit, God leading me into something, leading me to go speak to a perfect stranger, and I can't reason my way forward. I don't have everything solved. I wish I could see 10 steps forward, but all I have is what's right in front of me. Will I trust him? But the enemy's lies often are trying to reason and bring understanding in a way that pulls us off of trusting God. And I think of our parenting journey. To all the moms and the dads watching online or here in the room, have you ever had a parenting moment where you're like, ah, can't you just trust me? Or like, they're asking, why, 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 why? And you're like, I know better. I can see what's coming for you, kid. I can see what's ahead of you, daughter. I just need you to trust me in this moment. And the, the reasoning and the understanding piece brings this barrier towards a heart that's open to trusting mom or trusting dad. And as a youth pastor over 25 years, I saw this so much where the parents were like, I told them, I told them, but they just wouldn't listen to me. They just wouldn't trust me. The father knows and sees things that we do not know and cannot see yet. How's your trust in the father? How's your trust in the father? Are you still striving to figure it out on your own? Because I think when we believe the lie that I have to figure it all out, I have to know all the answers, I have to work my way forward, we actually open a door to the whisper of the enemy who wants to try and reason and understand us away from trusting God. Trust is built through time and proximity in relationship. 
we've been on a beautiful parenting journey of continuing to dedicate our kids to the Lord as stewards. But building trust with kids, it just, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of proximity. We have to lean in close to our kids. We have to create space to examine their hearts and see how they're really doing. And this is something that we want, we want to get better at as parents. But if I have that desire, I know certainly that comes from God the Father. God the Father's desire is for proximity with us as sons and daughters. It's for family that we were created. But trust is only built through time and proximity in relationship with the Father. You will never be able to trust him if you can't know and recognize his voice. And you will make room for the enemy to try and pull you away from relationship with the Father with lies. It might sound like reasoning. Did he really say, this happened, and so because this happened, you must be this way. Reasoning and understanding will never produce what only trust can accomplish. Do you spend time with God? Do you practice drawing close to the Father? Pastor Nicole already referenced us taking time over as long as it takes to go through nine spiritual practices that are going to just move our hearts closer, proximity with God. If these rhythms don't exist in our day-to-day spiritual walk, you will have a very difficult time combating the lies of the enemy. If you don't have a practice and a rhythm and a regular routine of drawing close to God, this is a beautiful moment. Tuning into a service like this or showing up in a room like this is powerful, and I celebrate it and I love it, but it's not enough. It's not enough. You need a regular practice and rhythm in your own spaces, in your own home, of drawing close to the Father. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. That's God's will. I just, like, I love that God, with clarity and with wisdom, loves to show us which path to take, loves to lead us in a trusting relationship with him, which is why verse seven, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Listen to this language. Seek his will in all you do. He'll show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Evil here references us leaning on our own wisdom. That's, wow. Evil here is depending on my own understanding, my own reasoning, being impressed with my own wisdom. That's like the counter to trusting God fully. I'm not saying don't pursue wisdom. Hear my heart. I'm not saying don't think about things. I'm not saying be a mindless robot, yes, master. I'm saying be aware that the enemy will use reasoning and understanding, thoughts, ideas, lies, to pull your trust away from the Father. Jesus teaches in John 12, and I like the, uh, the inference here in verse 44. It actually says he shouted this. We often think of Jesus as being a very passive teacher, except for that one example where he's flipping tables. But here he is shouting to the crowds, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you're seeing the one who sent me. I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. 
Trusting in Jesus is an invitation for his light to lead and guide our lives, but it involves trust. Two years ago, in our Battle Ready series, who remembers the very first well-laid-out piece of armor in Ephesians 5 that the Father wants us to put on? Anybody remember? Truth. Who said it? Dustin, was that you? The belt of truth. It's the first piece that we're invited to put on. You get a gold star, sir. Unless somebody in the chats typed it quicker than you said it, but we'll, we'll compare notes later, but. The enemy wants you exposed and vulnerable to his lies. And Jesus says, put on my truth as a way to push back. Daryl Johnson in his beautiful book, um, 57 Words That Changed the World, it's just like this unbelievable unpacking of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches us to pray. But he, he, he puts it this way, Father, as you lead us to the test, do not let the test become a temptation but rescue us from the twisting wiles of the evil one. He wants us to think that you're not as good as Jesus says you are. That's one of the ways we recognize the reasoning and the whisper and, and, and the mess that the enemy wants us to believe. He wants us to think that God's not as good as Jesus says he is. Reasoning and understanding will never produce what only trust can accomplish in our hearts. Trust in the voice of the Father. Trusting God. Trust is built through time and proximity. Do you spend time with God? Do you practice drawing near? If not, don't leave here ashamed of that. Invite some coaching. Invite some help. Lean into other people in this room who fought to figure out how to do this. You're not alone. We're all learning how to do this. But if those two rhythms don't exist in your day-to-day -day spiritual walk, you will have a very difficult time combating the lies of the enemy. Real trust equals obedience even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we don't have all the answers. And reasoning and understanding will never produce what only trust can accomplish. Today's big question, how do we recognize the lies of the enemy? Respond with faith and trust. So number one, examine your trust meter. Are the TVs off? I see they're powered off. Are we just resetting? Okay. Pro presenter fail. We love us some technology. So I'm just going to put it out there. If you're missing points, scriptures, quotes, and you want them, uh, I'll email you all these notes this week. I do that all the time when people ask. I'll just put it out there right now. If you're like, Pastor, I want, to, I want to know those references again. Can you send it to me? I'll just email you the full PDF of all my notes from today. Sound good? Okay. All right. Number two, second and final thought from this passage. When we believe the lies of the enemy... Here's how we know it's him. It always produces shame, withdrawal, and fear. That's how we know it's the enemy. When we believe the lie of the enemy, we pull back, we're ashamed, we're afraid, we withdraw from the Father, we withdraw from community with other Christians. We believe the lie, it produces shame, withdrawal, and fear. The ideas that we believe to be true shape how we live and how we become, and who we become. How we live and who we're becoming both really matter to Jesus, which is why following Jesus is following in his way, practicing what we think, what we believe to be true, who we're becoming. He's our example. 
That's why we say we live surrendered to Jesus. Who we are, how we live, and who we're becoming really matter to Jesus. This is why our primary war against the devil is a fight to believe truth, Jesus' truth, over lies. We neither flourish nor thrive when we live bound by the lies of the enemy in ways that are not congruent with the Father's wisdom and the Father's good intentions for us. We live crippled, we live restrained, we live fearful, we live anxious, we live held back when we believe the lie of the enemy. In our passage today, notice the quick turnaround. At the beginning of Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, here they are living in close relationship, close proximity with their creator in paradise, in the garden. They're flourishing and thriving in his wisdom, in the Father's good intentions for them, what he's prepared for them, how he's invited them to live, how he's invited them to obey and trust him. They have all that they need. They're already created in his likeness and image. They already have access to the Father's wisdom and the Father's voice. They're living right in the moment of the best, most flourishing, most thriving life they could have ever dreamed of. And then the enemy comes and whispers a lie that sounds like good reasoning, sounds like good under, did God really say? In Genesis 3, Starting in verse 6, the woman was convinced. She believed the lie. Genesis 3, 6 through 11. She saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And at the moment they ate it, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up. Verse 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, The man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid from him. They'd never hid from him before. But as soon as they believe the lie, they're ashamed and they hide from the Father. The Lord called to them and said, where are you? And Adam replied, I heard you walking, and so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And the Lord asked, who told you? Who told you? Who lied to you? Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to? They suddenly felt shame. They tried to cover up their shame. They hid from the Lord, and they were afraid. Do you want to know if you've been lied to by the enemy? Where is there fear in your life right now? What is pulling you away from relationship with the Father? What's causing you to feel shame? What's causing you to step back and withdraw from life-giving community with other believers? I know too many wonderful people who are sincere in their surrender to Jesus, but live every day full of shame, covered up, Hiding from real proximity to the Father, real proximity with his creation, with other sons and daughters created in his image, it's because they've believed a lie from the enemy. Isaiah teaches us that you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Father, you will keep us in perfect peace if we trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. And I love the language of Isaiah 26. Trust 
in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. When we fix our thoughts on him, he keeps us in perfect peace because we trust him. That's the counter. A life marked by the perfect peace of the Holy Spirit. The rest that we find in God's presence, even when things are hard, even when things are difficult. The message translation says this, people with their minds set on you, God, you keep completely whole. Oh God, that's, that's what I want. I want my mind, my thoughts to be set on you so that every day is like marked with your peace, with your wholeness. Have you believed a lie from the enemy that's stripped away your peace, stripped away your wholeness in your relationship with the Father? There's striving, there's, there's pursuit of wisdom, reasoning and under, trying to figure things out on your own, and you've forgotten that he invites us into rhythms of proximity and relationship and rest. People with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole, steady on their feet because they keep at it and they don't quit. Depend on God and keep at it because in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. Only in our trust. How do we know and recognize when the enemy's lied to us? Well, the first one is that it often sounds like reasoning. Really? Did that happen? But here's, here's what's really going on. And the Father says, don't believe a lie. Trust me. Even if you can't see the way forward, trust me. Maybe you're in a relationship right now that just feels compromised. You're dating somebody and you're like, Bleh. but if I, if I end it, am I going to find somebody else? I've been at it for, you know, two years. I've got lots invested. I'm hoping one day maybe this will end in marriage for me. And, and, and if, if, I, if I kick this guy to the curb or whatever, Am I enough to find somebody who, who loves Jesus? Am I enough to find somebody who lives certain? What lie are you believing that's, that's pulled you away from trusting God with your future, trusting God? Some of you here in this room are like, man, this is my home. This is my family. I want to roll up my sleeves. I want to serve in this house. I want to give generously. I want to be a part of the mission of this story. But last time I did that, it left me broken. The last time I did that, it left me wounded. And so you can reason your way around like, I'll just show up. I'll just consume. I'll just attend. I don't, I don't have to lean into family. God loves me just the same. He, he does, but you're missing out. You believed a lie. And you can reason and try and understand it all, but God really says, hey, kid, come on, daughter. Come on, son, trust me. Step in. You say you follow me, then, then, then desire all of me. Nothing else matters. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will fill that void. Father, as you lead us to the test, 
Do not let the test become a temptation. But rescue us from the twisting wiles of the evil one. He wants us to think you're not as good as Jesus says you are. And Jesus says, if you want to know the Father, lean into me. Know my voice. Recognize my voice. Lean into me. I and the Father are one. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit EvolveChurch.com. We hope to see you soon.